Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio Show number 438. What is a listening culture and how can we engage leadership? Today we're going to be talking about how well we listen to employees and manage innovation, change and the creation of a sense of fairness. I'm Joe Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. My guests today, yes, I have more than one, are Mike Pounsford, who's founder of Coravel, Howard Craze, uh, president of UK, the UK chapter of the IABC, and Kevin Ruck, who's co-founder of PR Academy. So welcome, Mike, Howard and Kevin. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so great to have you all with us. Probably quickly, if you could just perhaps just introduce yourselves a bit more about who you are, what you do, that would be useful. So Howard, did you want to do that first? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, I, actually, I'm former president of uh, IABC, I should say, um, but it was through IABC that uh, all this listening work came around. So I've been in communications for about 300 years, I think, and um uh, I currently work for a company called Johnson Matthey, uh, where I'm a comms director there. Um, listening to something has been very close to my heart and something that I've wanted to really see how we can, as communicators, how we think about listening. And so, you know, this work has really enabled us to, to get behind that in, in far more detail than I ever thought possible. Lovely. Thank you, Howard. And Mike? I Well, like Howard, I've got a connection with the IABC. I was the president before Howard and met him and Kevin in Copenhagen where the whole listening thing began. Um, I run my own business called Curavel. We do change and communication consulting work, uh, but I've been involved in listening way, way back from the start of my career when I originally started off uh, at Willis Towers Watson doing, well, it wasn't called that then, but doing um, employee research type projects. Um, so when, when we first started talking about this, I, I wanted to, to get involved in it because I think it's a really important subject that we need to talk about more and uh, um, get people thinking about how they listen more effectively throughout mm -hmm. the industry. Lovely. Thank you. And Kevin? Yeah, I'm co-founder of PR Academy. Um, I suppose I'm, I'm better known as um, the uh, author and uh, editor of the textbook Exploring Internal Communications now in its fourth um, edition. I also am the course leader for PR Academy's delivery of the Chartered Institute of Public Relations Diploma in Internal Communication. I, I mean, I really got interested in listening when I was working back in BT and um, instigated uh, some listening sessions there as part of a major change programme and uh, been interested in that ever since. And it was part of my um, PhD thesis uh, as well. So I'm um, really interested in the, the correlations between listening and uh, employee engagement. So something we might go on to a little bit later. Lovely, thank you. So let's start by talking about what the Listening Project was all about. Perhaps, um, Howard, you can start by uh, talking a bit more about it. Yeah, sure. So uh, I, I think, as Mike said, it was at Copenhagen 
Uh, it was an IABC Euro conference, European uh, Eurocom, I think it was called, about four years ago, uh, when the days when we could all get together face to face. And um, we were part of a, what was called an open space event. And we started talking about this topic of listening. And I think what was on my mind originally was as communicators, if we, you know, how well were we listening to our audiences? And if we weren't listening, how did we know how the things that we were producing were actually landing? How do we know what was on people's minds? And so that was really where, where I guess the conversation started. And, and the journey that we've had since then um, has this, you know, we just published our fourth report uh, over the four years. The, um, the first one uh, was a, a, on the back of a fairly small survey, which we did with um, people in our networks. Um, and, and that gave us a sort of a good intro into, into the topic. Uh, we work with IABC globally uh, for the second report to look at best practice and to talk to uh, multiple gold quill winners, IABC's highest um, quality um, uh, achievers, and, and understand how they use listening in the work that they were doing. Um, then our third report, we did a, a fairly sizable global survey with several hundred people taking the survey and giving us some really good um, quantitative data. And then the, the report that we've just completed was to take that survey and to look at the sort of the why, if you like, behind the what. So focus groups, so we did a number of focus groups between us to really understand, you know, the, the why certain things that came out of the survey, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in the following um, few minutes. So, you know, what... What we've, what we've seen is this is a topic that really resonates with communicators when we've run sessions uh, around, whether it's around the publication of our reports, IABC World Conference, other sessions that we've done. You know, people have really turned up in, in good numbers and uh, there's a real interest from communicators in this topic of listening. And I think an acceptance and understanding that collectively it's something we need to spend more time on and do more about. So, you know, I'm proud of what we've done in the time that we've been uh, in, you know, looking at this topic. There's more to come still, I think. Um, but there's a lot that we've raised. That I think people, as I say, resonate with people. And, and I'm sure we can get into some of that now. Yes, absolutely. And did, did um, Kevin and Mike, did you want to add anything to the sort of where it's all come from piece? Well, well, I just think, um, as, as I was saying, it kind of resonated for us. I think what we were trying to do in this is try and get some insights for people, some really practical insights into what's going on out there in terms of how people listen um, and help people reflect on how they listen in their organisations by doing that. And maybe in the process, challenge some thinking about how we're currently doing it and uh, as well provide and share some practical tips. So that's kind of the, that's what we were trying to achieve with all of this. Mm -hmm. I think from my point of view, um, Joe, I think it's interesting if you look back at what um, has been called employee voice, I think, in the HR community a lot. Um, you know, as we know from um, the you know, Engaging for Success report, employee voice was highlighted as a, an enabler for employee engagement. And uh, I suppose what I wanted to do was kind of put that into the internal communication space much more. You know, it's talked about a lot over a long time in HR, you know, employee voice. Um, but not so much in the internal communication uh, profession. So I wanted to um, see if we could establish how employee voice, as it's called, we call it listening to employees, can be embedded into day-to-day -day internal communication practice. So that's kind of where I was coming from a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, lovely. And so, Kevin, let's, let's stay with you. What, what have you learned about why listening is so important? 
Well, you know, there's so much that we've, we've learned. I mean, that's how it's said. We've, we've produced four reports now, and it's quite hard actually to you know, distill it down um, for today. But I picked out a couple of things that I think you know, stood out um, to me, really. And that, that they come from our third report, which was based on um, a survey with over 550 uh, corporate communication managers. And you know, um, what we discovered through that with using correlation analysis was that listing is most strongly correlated with managing change effectively, generating good ideas on how to work effectively and treating everyone fairly. You know, so we already know, and it was you know, quite well established and has been established you know, for some time that listing to employees or employee voice as it's been called um, is associated with employee engagement. I suppose it's less well known or less well established that listening to employees is actually got a direct business benefit, you know, specifically in managing change effectively. But the third point about treating everyone fairly, I think has come to the fore much more, you know, certainly through COVID and through other kind of movements that we've seen. So, you know, if you want to work for an organization, but you know, where you think people are treated fairly, then listening to employees is certainly correlated, you know, with that. And the other learning that comes from all of this is, which follows, I suppose, is, you know, what's the best way to maximise those benefits? You know, managing change effectively, generating good ideas on how to work effectively. I think most organisations are certainly going to be focused on those points um, as we uh, come out of COVID and, you know, on a day-to-day basis anyway. And the best way to maximise those benefits through listening is three things, to ensure that senior leaders are effective listeners. And we'll come back to that a little bit, I think. Um, make sure your organization has an open mindset to what they hear. And thirdly, to plan carefully to ensure listening happens, happens throughout the organization. So they're the things that we need to get in place if we want to maximize the benefits of managing change effectively and generating good ideas on how to work effectively. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many other things that come out of the research, but I think if we you know, just focus on those um, today. I think that they'll really help people, you know, practitioners working in HR and internal communication, you know, um, arguing the, the business case, if you like, for better listening to employees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Mike and Howard, anything to add to that? I'd add one thing uh, just to build on Kevin's point around uh, treating people fairly. And in our first report, we, we had this term social justice which makes it sound like sort of, I don't know, class warriors or something, and that wasn't the intention. Um, but the, the point being, and I, and I guess this is common sense, but I don't know that common sense is always used in this area, which is if people feel that they're being listened to, if they've got ideas, if they have something they want to say, they're much more likely to believe in, in the solution. And they're much more likely to be engaged, I guess, in our parlance, and to do the things that, you know, the company would hope them and want them to do to the best of their ability. So to me, you know, sometimes you can take a step away from, from the sort of language we use and the, and the research and think some of this is absolutely common sense. You know, people, because it, it's, it's no different to how we feel in our, in our personal lives, you know, in our personal relationships with friends and family. If we feel listened to, we, we're going to feel better about it. And it's the same very much. And, and that's our, what our research has really shown. Um, within businesses and, and employees. Lovely, thank you. And Mike, um, one one question that sort of comes 
to me from this is is what what does actually the listening bit mean because lots of people say that they listen but if you don't do anything with what you've just heard to me that doesn't feel like you've really listened so what are organizations who, who are listening well actually doing what why is it different to just saying you know we provide these opportunities for our people to tell us things you know what what is it they do that that actually takes that listening and turns it into something useful if you like that that's a that's a that's a really good question joe and in fact one of the things that came up very strongly in the first report was there's lots and lots of different views of what listening means um and and the thing one of the things we wanted to do was really pin down this well what does good listening look like was it really mean um howard mentioned this when he was talking a few minutes ago we, we thought, well, how, how can we work out what, what good listening actually looks like? What does, it, what, what does it mean? And we thought that um, if we went to the people who regularly win IABC Gold Quill Awards, that's going to be a good place to start. And, and of course, working with the IABC as we were when we, when we were doing the second, first and second reports, it was helpful to, to, to connect with some of those people. Uh, to win one of those awards, you've got to demonstrate that you have... Um, gone out and really understood your audience needs. You don't you don't win one of these things unless you can demonstrate that. So it's quite a rigorous process that people okay. go through. And yeah. not only that was we, we we looked at well who who regularly wins these awards. So we went and spoke to some of those people, and uh, we spoke to some Australian businesses in construction area. We talked to people who were in um, management consulting. We talked to people in local government. These people who, who were regularly doing it. And what 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 came out, Howard, uh, Kevin's kind of touched upon this. There were some common themes that came through. First of all, good listeners really do have an open mindset at the senior level. It's the, if you haven't got a leadership team that's curious and eager to learn from people, then they're not going to be effective. There's no point in listening because you're not going to do anything with it. You've got to listen at all, at all levels. It's not just uh, the senior leadership team. It's not just the people in, on the shop floor. It's, it's at all levels. It's something that's, that's owned throughout the business. You need to plan it well. You need to put in place different systems so that you're listening through different approaches. You may be using surveys, you may be using focus groups, whatever, but it's a, a variety of approaches you, you, you use. And then coming back to what, to what you said a few minutes ago when you asked the question, it's all about response. It's all about making sure that having heard something, we do something with it and making the effort to make that link between what we've heard and what we're doing. And I guess the other thing that came through when you talk, when we talked to all those people that were, were, were winning these awards was there's a kind of humanity in this. There's a recognition that if we're going to be effective as a business, we've got to, we've got to engage with people because organisations are, are made up of people. They're made up of living, living systems, if you like. And so we use listening to learn and learn how to do it better. And there's loads of stories in the, in the second report that we picked up from that in terms of great examples of good listening but it, it boils down to those five key themes, I think, in terms of what what people get when they listen, or what good listening looks like. Mm -hmm. Howard, um, Kevin, do, do you have something to add to that? Um, yeah, I, I think the other thing I would say is that, um, you know, I didn't mention this earlier, was the uh, connection to well-being. You know, um, it, it's, a, you know, a sign of a healthy organisation um, if it um, actually um, listens to what employees are thinking and feeling in an ongoing basis. And of course, we, 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 we discovered that a lot during COVID. Um, so the, the very act of doing listening, you know, as I said, um, one of the things we learned was you have to 
embed listening throughout the organization through multiple channels, which is something else that we discovered in the research. You can't just do um, a one-off server. You need to employ lots of different methods for listening. But when you do that in a systemic way and you do respond appropriately, um, you know, and take it seriously, then um, employees will um, feel a, a, a stronger sense of belonging. And I think there's, um, this connects to the kind of, um, you know, lower levels of anxiety and stress that you, you might experience in an organisation um, that does that effectively. Mm-hmm. And Howard? I mean, the, the only thing I, I'd, I'd add, I obviously agree with all of that is, you know, just really experience my own experience currently. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of listening and uh, in my organisation now, and I know it's not easy to continue to demonstrate that we are doing something with the listening. So to your original question, Joe, I mean, if you don't do that, if you sort of move on and you think you've done it, you probably haven't. And, and you know, the next time you go back and you say, right, we're going to do the next listening exercise, whatever that might be, people start to say, well, hold on, what happened last time or the time before that? And so the trust that builds up, um, you know, when you demonstrate that you do something with the listening, you build trust, you build belief. But it's much quicker to ask the question not to be seen to do anything. And you lose that trust. And the next time you come and ask and the next time after that, people are a lot more cynical. So, you know, it's, it's really, really important to um, to demonstrate that, you know, you said we did type uh, philosophy. Yes. Yeah. And just before we move on to to um, my next question, what um, what are we talking about when we're talking about listening? As in, you know, some people will be imagining surveys and you know, other people are imagining informal or formal conversations with line managers and that sort of thing. What what sort of um, conduits for the listening? What, to are the, what are the what are the processes? There's 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 a whole range of things that you'll be familiar with. Obviously, the surveys, pulse surveys, that kind of thing. Is that if anything, that's the the default. People people tend to think when they think about listening, they tend to think about surveys when I think about employee listening and one of the things that we picked up from doing all this work is that actually that is not enough it's sort of you need to you need to look at a lot of other processes so for example when we ran the focus groups and we talked to people about what's good listening look like they talked about things like you know town halls which are much more two-way they talked to some extent about digital listening and using what we're picking up through digital channels to understand the sentiment of people we talked about session employee resource groups, we talked about people talked about listening circles in which leaders go and listen in on what our, our people are, um, are talking about, almost like as a fly on the wall. So there's lots of different channels people use. I guess the other thing that's just worth highlighting is that there's a people talk about different styles as well. So you've got a kind of passive listening where we're monitoring what's going on. They talked about active listening, which Howard was talking about a moment. You, you know, we said you said we did responding stuff. But we also talked about or people talked about sensitive listening, you know, picking up on what ha- uh, Kevin was saying about well-being, being much more tuned in to emotions and the sentiments of people. And, th- and the fourth area people talked about was more, uh, I guess, proactive or co-creative listening, you know, where we're listening and creating new ways of doing things at the same time. So there's a whole right raft of different practices people use and different um, approaches they use, but there are also these different styles that came out as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I could just add to that. Um, I think um, what we did discover through the research is 
um, digital listening is really underused. Uh, so, you know, it's one of the methods that can provide the you know, most rich sort of um, uh, information. So we don't mean, you know, illicit listening in. We mean just kind of monitoring and, and checking what people are saying on um, internal digital platforms and, you know, using those for, for employees. And actually employees feel comfortable in using those platforms, um, which is another finding that, that um, we found from the research. So, you know, I suppose what we're saying is the there are multiple different methods, but one of the ones that can provide the most useful insights, digital, is one of is the one that's probably the least used, along with focus groups, which was another surprise. Focus groups, you know, um, provide a lot of rich information and they're very rarely used, or, or they seem to be rarely uh, used from the um, the research that we've done. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, Howard, what's the role of senior leaders in listening? Um, this, this is this sort of surprised us a little bit, I guess. Uh, there's something that came out of our big survey in report three. It was the sort of correlation between, uh, which showed that actually senior leader listening was more impactful than line manager listening, which we thought maybe it would be the other way around. Um, you know, but but you know, it was really clear that the impact of senior leader listening um, had a, had a much bigger impact on the organisation. So we dived into this a bit in our focus groups to understand a bit more around what good would look like. And, and I guess there were three key areas maybe that we that we found in terms of the role of senior leaders in listening. So the first one really around openness. So as much around you know, a mindset as a set of skills where a leader can demonstrate um, a willingness to explore and learn where they can value different perspectives and where perhaps they appear maybe humble or curious as Mike said earlier. Um, yeah. Second area really around empathy, um, where leaders are visible and approachable and demonstrate sensitivity to feelings. Uh, one person said to us, um, I sort of noted this quote down, that leaders who are empathetic recognise listening is not just about understanding the things that people say, but appreciating the way people feel. Uh -huh. And then the third thing is around responding, um, where leaders acknowledge views and feelings. And then this you know, crucial thing around linking action to the previous feedback so something we've just been speaking about um something that really legitimizes the listening um and you know like we've just said where you feel something gets done as a result of what you've said and how how beneficial that that can be mm -hmm. so some really tangible meaty sort of areas where we felt that uh, leaders you know could play a role here but we, we also found um you know maybe a bit surprised but we also found that um even though we could make the case for how important leaders listening is it isn't something that appears particularly valued when you look at how organisations or even how business schools think about leadership development. And I think, you know, we make we make in a minute, but, mm -hmm. you know, to listen as a sort of a core competence or a core skill by their organisations or in the way that they are trained. And yet we, we sort of can identify some really rich benefits here. Mm, mm, interesting. Kevin, Mike, did you have anything to add to that? I, I, I just think on the responsiveness thing, um, it's 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 more than you said we did. I think it's sort of that. Yes, it's really critical to make the link between um, what we've heard. But but it's what came through the focus groups. I remember people talking about is actually what matters is to reflect the fact that 
you know, you look, you take any, especially in the pandemic, there's lots of different opinions about how should we, be, we should be doing something. Some people want to work from home. Some people want to work from the office. You can't, you can't manage the business by sort of just going out and finding out people's views and then responding to it. It's much more subtle than that. What makes the difference is the demonstration that in the way in which we're deciding what gets done, we are constantly out there listening and understanding people's emotions and feelings and their, their reasons for things and reflecting that back. We heard some great stories about people. Uh, there was one example of a company that was twice daily providing updates to the leadership team during the height of the pandemic on the sentiment of employees using some of the digital tools that they had. Really stunning stuff in terms of how they were making sure that they kept the employee voice front of mind in the decisions that they were taking. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Twice a day. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah we were really struck by that it, it didn't it was it's not all the time but it was just in the height of the yeah. pandemic that they were doing that and it was a great example of how the pandemic has really changed the way in which organizations are approaching listening i think yes and presumably also um going back to what kevin was saying a, a good use of the technology i don't suppose they would have been able to do that without the technology um, yeah. with everyone being in all sorts of different places at, the, at that time yeah mm-hmm so, Kevin, what gets in the way? Why don't we listen better? Well, that's such a, a big question. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, you've got four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, let me try and distill it a little bit. I think there, there are a number of things. But um, you know, firstly, I think an over-reliance on surveys, that gets in the way because people think they've done a survey or are doing pulse surveys, and that's all they need to do. Um, so that gets in the way of effective listening. And the second one, I think, is um, an assumption that an organisation is doing good listening. You know, we, we found that 67% of the respondents in our survey said that their organisation encourages a culture that values listening. And yet only 42% of people said their organisation responds promptly to feedback. So there's a bit of a gap here, I think, between, you know, um, perceptions about good listening being, you know, embedded and the, the reality of that. Um, so that's, that gets in the way of kind of, you know, um, um, you know um, taking a broader and, more, and deeper uh, approach to listening. And the final one, which is the big one, I think, um, is the, the, the attitudes that we have found that come across um, from senior leaders towards listening. I mean, you know, not, not all cases, you know, at all, but we, we have picked up through the research, you know, a good number of examples um, of organisations where the senior leaders either just don't get it, they don't understand the value or don't see the point, or have a very closed mindset, or they think that their role is not to listen at all, it's to, you know, direct um, some very sort of old school approaches to leadership, you know, coming through in the research. And I think this is a big one. Um, and certainly we dug into this a little bit deeper in the final report, just been published. And, you know, certainly we, we did a bit of quick research and found that a lot of leadership development um, training courses, you know, have minimal, if any, mention of um, listening to employees in them at all. You know, I think this is a big challenge, you know, for um, leadership development going forward. And, you know, that's the one thing I think I would say needs to be addressed. Yes, yeah. How did Mike, anything to add to that? About what gets in the way? I think it's sometimes difficult for um, leaders to listen, actually, and managers to listen, because we, People, people often talk about psychological safety and how difficult it can be to speak up. 
but actually it can be listen, difficult to listen up to because it can be quite threatening going out in front of a group of people. Uh, you know, maybe you're maybe you're talking about a change that isn't very popular, and you you've got to you've got to be ready to go out there and have the courage to go out and listen. And that's a difficult ask. I don't think it's an easy skill to listen effectively. I think that gets in the way. Yes. Yeah. Howard. Uh, all I'd say is that um, we should always remember, I guess, that leaders have an awful lot of things on their plate. Now, you know, we would all argue, I think, that this is important. You know, they should be engaging their people. They should be uh, doing all the right things that we want, but we recognize that in the real world that's not always the case and i think it's up to us to fight the good fight here uh, mm. and try and demonstrate the benefits but you know it's leadership change in management um but you know right at the moment you know and, and trying to persuade them that you know listening which may be something that feels that there's a, a, a gradual benefit over time is, is more important than the multitude of things i have to take yeah with us on that yeah Thank you. And so, Mike, we've just got the last few minutes of the show. Bring this all together for us. What are the key insights and lessons for those of us who want to increase engagement through listening? Well, I think the first thing, I think there's three major areas. The first one's about the business case. Second one's about how we listen. And the third one's about who does it and how we help people listen more effectively. The, the business case will be familiar. One of, the, one of the great things about Engage for Success is the way that right at the start, David and Nita made this connection between you know the the engagement and performance and then that work that Tanith Dodge did to really look at the, the correlation between engagement and performance and the same thing comes out with listening well it would do because it's all about voice which was one of the enablers there is really compelling evidence from the work that we've done that um, listening makes a difference Kevin talked about it he talked about it when he talked about innovation change and fairness so there's, there's, there's compelling data that this is an important thing. We can't ignore it. And at a very practical basis, if you want to get your strategic or operational goals delivered, you're going to be more effective if you listen to people in the process. It's as simple as that. The second thing is about how we listen. Um, Kevin's mentioned it. This is over-reliance on surveys. There's lots of other approaches we should be using. Listening and voice is not about counting opinions. It's actually about finding out what's underneath those opinions and what makes people feel the way they do, have the decisions they have. If we're going to make better decisions, we need to, we need to understand about that. So we need to focus less on uh, the, the survey approach and, and, and on other approaches. I think one thing we haven't mentioned at all, which was another big insight about how we listen, was anonymity. We had, a, we had quite a hot and heated debate about whether or not people's views should be anonymous or not. Um, and as, as Howard said, when we were discussing the feedback, it's really not about anonymity, it's about trust. And one of the things that is, um, in a, our view is that people should be able to contribute anonymous, anonymously if they want to. It's not a kind of either or, it's a kind of both. But underneath it all is that if we want to create organizations where we don't need anonymity, we need to create organizations where there's more trust. And digital listening is another key thing that came out, you know, and Kevin's talked about that. I think so. And then so that's sort of how we listen. And then the third thing around who listens. Um, one of the things we feel comes out from this, one of the big insights is that leaders and managers probably need 
more help in listening effectively because it's not necessarily an easy thing to do, but it's not necessarily a need that they would, would, would see because we kind of all think we do it well, don't we? Um, but I think there's evidence from what we've heard that we, we, could, we could all get much better at it. We're making assumptions and, you know, it's not an easy skill and people need help with it. And I think coming on to sort of, you know, communications people or HR people or OD people, one of our jobs is to try and help make the business case, you know, develop the listening skills and also act as perhaps act as a conscience and not be frightened to speak up and uh, speak out when, when it needs to be done, because we might have access to the views of people that need to be represented at senior levels. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. Well, um, as expected, the show has gone by very quickly. Um, one last word from each of you. Yeah, we, we really have covered a lot. I think that people who are interested in this topic should really get hold of our reports, which you should be able to find by the Curavel or the PR Academy websites. Um, I hope that there's enough that we've covered today, which interests people that there's, there's really some rich feedback here and rich, rich learnings. Uh, and I just encourage people to think, how can I be incorporating listening in my role as a communicator or an HROD type professional um, and, and see the benefits that it can bring you? Lovely. Thank you. Kevin? Yeah, so um, I was going to say just kind of like uh, let's expand our horizon. So if you're working in internal communication or in HR and you're interested in listening to employees, you know, try, try some different methods, you know, focus groups, online focus groups, face-to-face -face focus groups, if we get back to face-to-face -face, um, and, and have a, an explore on the potential of digital listening because I think there's some you know, really good insights to be gained there. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you. And Mike, just close us off. Last comment. <laughs> just the, uh, you know, the fantastic learning that we've had in the last two years, you know, we really have got better at it in a lot of places. I mean, not, not everywhere, but I think there's been some great examples of how through COVID-19 uh, leaders and, and other people have demonstrated how you can listen well to help manage us through that pandemic. And we should, we should learn the lessons from that and not lose them as we go back into whatever the future might look like. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you all three of you for joining me today. It's been really interesting. Lovely. So to let listeners know next week, Jo Moffat will be back and she's interviewing Jake Jacobs of Jake Jacobs Consulting. And they're talking about eight powerful ways to make any change work faster, easier and better. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.